Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, here to remind you that you can catch these shows live on YouTube on Wednesdays at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. And we're also having a few special shows in the offseason. We'll be doing some playoff watch parties while the playoffs are going on and some other special occasions. So stay tuned for YouTube and our Twitter account at Falcoholic Live for updates on our programming. Thank you all once again for your support on Patreon. If you're interested in that, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live and check out our new community Discord server, the link to which you can find, as I said, on our Twitter account. So thank you guys very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 131 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a full house of guests tonight to break down the Falcons' hiring of Terry Fontenot as their next GM. Obviously, we're also going to talk about recent head coach hire Arthur Smith. We're going to get into their press conferences. We're, of course, going to celebrate the departure of Dirk Cutter and some other coaches that you probably don't have as strong of feelings about. Maybe some of you do if you're really, you know, wonky about the team, which I'm sure you are. Who, I mean, who am I talking to here? But um, you guys haven't celebrated that yet. Oh yeah, I mean, I did off camera, but you know, okay. I figured we would need to have an on camera ceremony. Oh, you know, okay. I brought the ceremonial torch to throw onto the pyre okay. back there. You know, to light the signals. Yes, but as you can see, we are joined by Eric Robinson. He is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's it's a new regime, guys. It's a, a breath of fresh air, a, a new start. It, I just I just see nothing but rainbows and sunshine and green grass and <laughs> like man, this feels. You good. may be high, <laughs> maybe high on that life. High on a new regime, though. Maybe yeah. also, but let's just go with the with the scenic picture. Let's go with that for the sake of the art. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think uh, Charles McDonald summed it up perfectly when he tweeted out the office gif of you know I'm ready to be heard again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I totally am. Uh, also with us tonight, as you guys can tell, uh, is the man himself, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic. Dave, how are you doing? I'm great. Um, you know, it's been, I have not seen Falcons fans so happy in years. Um, like the gifts I've been getting for Dirk Cutter leaving, even though it was, we all knew it was going to happen is just fantastic. So, you know, everything is, uh, as Eric said, sunshine and rainbows and well-fertilized grass yep. until, from all until, the shit the last regime left behind. Until yep. the first ran out in week one, then we're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, we're all going to freak out. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the specific criticisms. I already tweeted this out, but 
the first time Arthur Smith gives a, a press conference after a loss. We're going to find what we hate about his delivery and we're going to run it into the ground over the next three to five years. Like it's happening. Oh, they're going to, yeah. they're going to curse the scheme by halftime. For the first game. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Matt Ryan threw an inter- threw an interception in this brand, in this brand new scheme. Well, it's probably not brand new. We're going to talk about that, but uh, you know, it, and it's going to be his head noodle arm, Matt Ryan's back. You know, where's odd now when you need him, we need him to you know pick up the Matt Ryan slander in here. We're all too, we're all too positive right now. So, no, he'll be here later, folks, I promise. But uh, also with us tonight on that note is David Walker, a.k.a. DW, at Falcoholic DW, host of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm sure you're all familiar. DW, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. It's a whole new world um, across the board. Like, I, I was telling you guys before we started, I watched eight Titans games from 2020 this weekend. And I've got lots of thoughts about Arthur Smith. I can't wait to talk about them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're they're very exciting candidates, certainly. And last but certainly not least, we have Evan Birchfield at the very easy to remember. Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm good. Just to add on to the excitement, it's like I, I run um, the Falcolics Instagram page. And normally I get a lot of like, uh, I guess, messages of criticism of the Falcons as if I'm running the Falcons, which I'm not. But um, now all the messages have been like really like excited and uh, a lot of the followers, you know, uh, enjoyed the press conference, which I also agree with. Um, It was just a breath of fresh air and uh, yeah, just excited. It's nice to have hope and, you know, some sort of optimism going forward. Um, But yeah, excited. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Jeffrey Miller, I the Matt Ryan hater is coming, okay? He has obligations that he has to fulfill. Adnan will be here at some point, I promise. But uh, yes, we in the meantime, we have hashtag Dave Meat, so I don't know. You guys should be ha- satisfied with that. You know, we only get Dave Meat a few times a year. So, uh, But on that note, I know Dave has somewhat of a limited time tonight, so I want to make sure to get his take on this first. Uh you were able to come in on our last show to talk about Arthur Smith. So now that we know for sure that Terry Fontenot is the new hire, go ahead and give me your, your takeaways from, from Fontenot's hiring. Fontenot. Yeah. Fontenot, Fontenot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's potato, and potato, guy. you know. Yeah. <laughs> potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Um, I, I, really, I really like the guy. I think, you know, hearing him speak, you know, a lot of people were talking about winning the press conference, which is something that we talk about everything that way now, right? It's like win or lose, the most mundane things. But I think from hearing him talk, it's obvious that he's a guy with a plan. It's obvious that he's, I think, fundamentally a good person. As far as we can possibly know that, you know, based on hearing a guy speak for an hour or two, um, this is somebody who's got it together, um, has a ton of experience, you know, climbing the ranks uh, from a marketing intern, I think, um, yeah. all the way up to the position that he's holding now, um, or it was holding before he joined the Falcons. Um, just a guy that really clearly believes in a consistent approach to roster building and somebody who's going to come into Atlanta with a fresh perspective, you know, coming from that pro personnel side, whereas Dimitrov obviously was a college scouting director in New England before he got here, um, I, I think is, it's all valuable. I think what he brings to the table is really exciting. And I think, you know, we can never know how a GM candidate is going to do. Um, it was the same thing with Dimitrov, right? We didn't 
know what New England's college scouting director was going to be able to do in Atlanta. And he made a splash right away and rode a lot of bicycles. And, you know, uh, it was a great time for everybody for a while. <laughs> for a while. Um, but for, for a while, you know, and all good things end, I guess. But, you know, with Fontenot, especially the way he and Arthur Smith are planning to work together, you know, if things go well and they can execute on this plan, you know, it may not be 2021. I think we have to be realistic about that. But in the next couple of years, I think these guys are coming in with the kind of open-minded thinking, the flexibility, the accountability that they're talking about is going to make a difference for this franchise. So, you know, as long as they don't blow that number four pick, um, I, I'm really excited about Fontenot. And I hope that he's able to bring the vision that he's talking about to bear on Atlanta. And I hope that losing him causes the Saints to crumble to dust. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree there. Uh, I hope that you know we talked about this before because I know uh, Eric in particular was you know worried about giving the Saints some picks in exchange for Fontenot. But if he is as good as he appears to be, it, like if that press conference is any indication, I mean we have a special person on our hands. I mean I was blown away by that press conference. He just, I mean he was electric. Like he just every he just kind of radiates genuineness and this is gonna sound like a dunk on Dimitrov and it is uh like Dimitrov came off as like the fakest guy you know like with the quaffed hair and all this like everything he said was like you just knew it was a lie like he just he talked in coach speak and like he made no effort to make it sound like he was telling the truth like Fontenot definitely did the same thing and talked in coach speak and didn't really reveal anything but he made it clear that he wasn't going to tell you anything. So it was just a completely different experience. He was like, yeah, look, I'm just not going to tell you this because it's going to reveal stuff. But like that, that's why I'm not going to tell you it instead of like, Oh, well, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to look at offense and defense and every position on the board. And, you know, we'll get back to you. And like, no, like don't belittle us with that. You know? So I I appreciated that from Fontenot. That was something I I liked from the press conference, but um, DW, uh, what what was your, your takeaways here uh, from, from Terry Fontenot? Actually, one of the things that came from Arthur Blank that was kind of surprising, I think some of us were surprised, was when he intimated that Mickey Loomis, uh, the GM of the Saints, had reached out to him, gave him his endorsement, obviously, of of Fontenot, and then basically said that if uh, Loomis was retiring now, that that Fontenot was going to be the next GM of the Saints. So that warmed my cold, dead heart, knowing that we took away their future GM. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it's look, I don't want to heap any praise on the Saints organization or the dark Sith Lord Mickey Loomis. Um, but he has been a successful GM in the league for many, many years. And if his plan was to uh, groom Fontenot into that position, I think that says a lot about what the Falcons saw and the fact that they stole him away um, and stole him away as as a division rival which is you don't see that happen too often. And uh, I agree with everything you guys have said. You know, I don't want to rehash the stuff you said. You know, he's I, I love he, to me, he's the opposite of, of Dimitrov. But I love the fact that, you know, within the Saints organization, they they loved him and they thought that he was going to be the next guy until we you know sweeped in and, and, and stole him off of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very impressive. Very impressive. Eric. Uh, your thoughts on Terry Fontenot's hiring now that it's official? I know you were skeptical of the Saints connection, so where where are you at now? Um, you know, 
one thing, even not even just him, but when there's new GMs being introduced in their press conferences, you know, one thing that I look at when it comes to these guys, especially first time GMs, is the structure of a lot of their answers. How are they answering these questions? Does it seem like they're reading the script? Does it seem like they're babbling on for no reason? Or does it seem like they're actually prepared? It really seemed like he was prepared for every single question that he received at the press conference. Like he knew what was going to be asked, how it was probably going to be asked, even anticipated D-led leading off the press conference with a question <laughs> because he it's obviously shows that the guy has done his homework a little bit. Um, so that's one thing that I took away from that he was very prepared for a first time general manager. Um, and that is the result of having, you know, almost two decades of sitting next to Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and just picking up nuggets from those guys here and there. You can you can tell he learned some things along the way. Um, also keep in mind, this guy has a business degree, mm-hmm. so that helps. And he starts off as a marketing intern. So of course that helps as well. He knows how to prepare things and make it look a certain way to appealing to the audience. You know, that's that's pretty much what he, um, you know, pretty much what he went to school for. So um, that is one thing I took away from him. Um, I will say this. There's really, as far as what they're going to do for the team, I'm glad that either, that neither him or Arthur Smith really gave anything away. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say this. Draft night is going to tell me a lot about Fontenot and Smith and what they want to do going forward because Fontenot brings the pro personnel side to it. Right. Um, and you saw the, the Saints have been successful with adding veterans over the years, and he's been a part of that. Now, he does have some, some experience as a college scout, you know, doing some scouting here and there. He's been, you know, he's been a senior bowl several times with, with Loomis. He's been on the road with Loomis as well. But that is a different aspect. Um, And again, what happens on draft night is going to tell me a lot about what he learned over the years from Loomis and Ireland when it comes to that particular aspect. Um, And it it feels good to hear him kind of lean on Ozzie Newsom as a reference, as a source of reference for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that ultimately that's what I took away from it. This guy is really, he's really prepared for someone that's stepping into a major role uh, for the first time, but you can tell he has 20 years experience in the front office. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a guy that's walking into his first GM job, he did not seem that way. He, the, the, the moment was certainly not too big for him. So that was right. nice to see Evan. Uh, what is your takeaway on the hiring of Terry Fontenot to be the Falcons next GM? Um, I loved it. I didn't know much about him. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't just because of the position he was in. He didn't have like a ton of press conferences or anything. Um, just knew he was from the Saints and that was about it. But uh, you can't watch that inter- or that press conference and come away thinking like we're not in good hands. Um, super bright. Uh, I loved his little family coming out uh, with the Falcons gear on. Um, you can just tell him, like listening to him speak, he's a very intelligent person. As Eric said, you know, business background and marketing background, 
Um, he's not a dummy. He's gonna he's gonna get us to where we want to be. I believe. Um, I did like the best player available uh, kind of talk he had there. It's just kind of a totally different direction than what we normally do. Um, but overall, I'm just excited. Um, you know, that was my favorite interview uh, between the two, just because like as much as he was talking. I wanted to keep hearing more. Like he said a lot um, throughout the whole press conference, but there was so much I wanted to keep hearing. And I was watching it just thinking to myself, oh, like I hope somebody asked this question because it's like, you just want to pick his brain. Um, Because like we were familiar with Arthur Smith, obviously we all knew his offensive coordinator and we could kind of see, you know, through stats or like DW mentioned watching the Titans games and stuff. You could kind of see what Arthur Smith brought to the table, but Fontenot, it's like you don't know a ton about him. And I was blown away. So I can only imagine what Arthur Blank and Rich McKay and whoever else was in on those calls when they uh, first interviewed him thought. Um, he would be my – I mean, I haven't interviewed any other GM candidates, but I could see why he would be the top pick uh, for him. I, I don't know. I'm just excited, and that's scary as a Falcons fan. But – uh, I, I'm just excited to hear more press conferences or whatever interviews going forward. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really exceptional. Uh, it was very exciting to see that, and he said all the right things for me. Uh, and we're gonna get into those things here in just a moment, guys. Before we do that, the, I do the one thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry, I just no, wanted no, to say the one thing I forgot to mention. Um, and I know, like, like I, I mean, I wasn't like close to Vaughn. <laughs> he had me blocked on Twitter, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I knew of the impact he had on several people. So just that quick mention of where he uh, talked about Von McClure, obviously, for those who don't know, he covered he covered the Falcons for ESPN and he passed away a couple months ago. Um, he he just mentioning that I think a lot of people, you know, love that part of the interview just because he didn't have to mention it. That was his time to kind of talk about himself. Um which obviously was a big thing because a lot of people didn't know about him, but mm-hmm. to be selfless like that and take the time to talk about Vaughn um, and, you know, talk about some little memories of theirs. I thought that was really uh, a good moment. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really special and, and really impactful. And it was true, right? Like for a, a another team's you know, a VP and assistant GM to actually have any kind of relationship with a rival team's beat writer, like it's just kind of, odd but you know Vaughn was like that like he just like I only spoke with him a handful of times when I was covering the Falcons and you know he was just always very friendly you know he he sometimes come off a little you know brusque on Twitter but in person he was always just friendly uh and I I, I'm glad to see that Fontenot was able to experience that as well and uh it was nice of him to to honor Vaughn McClure there uh, yeah, guys, uh, we're going to keep going on this and lots of other topics. In the meantime, if you haven't liked the show yet, you should do that because we really appreciate that. It helps other folks find us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button as well if you're not subscribed. And uh, check out our Patreon if you're interested in supporting the show and getting access to some exclusive exclusive patron features. So check that stuff out. Um, yeah, let's let's keep the Vaughn thing obviously very cool. Um I definitely wanted to touch on some of the things Fontenot said in his press conference. Um, and one, the first one to me was that he wasn't really looking to leave New Orleans. Like, this was not something where he was going out to teams and saying, like, hey, I'm really interested in being a GM, you know, like, put me on your list, you know, I'd hire me, I want to be a GM. Like, he made it clear that 
he is he was basically happy to stay on the Saints. He loved his job there, but when the Falcons reached out, that was a, a big opportunity for him, an opportunity that he wanted to take. So, uh, Dave, Dave Choate, did you, uh, what was, you know, what did you take away from that? Do you think he was just blowing smoke or do you think that, that the Falcons actually were this? Because I think us, we believe the Falcons were a desirable job for several reasons, but the national media seemed to think the other thing. Fontenot seemed to indicate that uh, he thought that it was a desirable job. So what's your takeaway on that? Well, I think you're going to say that about the job you land, right? But I also right. think, you know, if, if Mickey Loomis was sincere about, you know, Fontenot getting his job when he eventually retired, you know, that could be a long time. But at the same time, I think that speaks volumes about, you know, Fontenot needing the right opportunity to leave, right? I'm sure that Loomis didn't, you know, miss an opportunity to say to him, you know, you're the next in line at some point. You know, if he's saying that to Arthur Blank, I'm sure he meant it. I'm sure he said it at some point to Fontenot. But I do think, you know, the Rich McKay thing is something that I think probably was a, a real obstacle. I think more than that, the power structure in the Falcons organization was weird in recent years. I think we all saw in the 2019 offseason in particular, there was some stuff with the offensive line, you know, Arthur Blank being like, we got to fix the line and Dimitrov taking it upon himself to sign two guards um, and then draft two more guys in the first round. Like those were moves that, that felt like Dimitrov would not have necessarily made in years past. You know, they weren't always about piling those up at one position group. And so I did get the sense that whether it was McKay getting more involved in the football side of things or, you know, Blank himself dictating some things, there were issues with those guys getting too hands-on, which is why I think they were at such pains all this offseason to say, that's not going to happen. You know, the next GM is going to have the power to do what he wants to do. And I think Fontenot got that impression. And I think once you get past that piece of it, it's always been the case that the Atlanta Falcons, I think, are viewed as a talented football team. Like, I don't think that, you know, the announcers who say that, I, I don't think that the other team GMs and coaches who say that are entirely blowing smoke. I think this is really a team that has considerable talent on it. It has some really desirable star players um, that you'd want to be, you know, on your team if you were starting from scratch, which Fontenot kind of is, um, in Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, especially in Grady Jarrett, let's say. So I, I do think this is a desirable job. I think once you get through the next year or two and you clear some of that cap space off, you decide what you're going to do with a couple of your aging stars. you got a lot of young defenders you can mold. You've got a pretty strong foundation for your offensive line. And you've got Calvin Ridley, who is the kind of young star receiver that any team would like to have. So I think, you know, is this the most desirable job in terms of draft capital, in terms of, you know, draft picks? No, but I think you can sense that you're going to get a supportive owner, that you have a solid base to start off of, and maybe you get to stick it to your old team and show them, you know, what you're really made of. So I think when you combine those things together, yeah, it was a desirable job. Pontino clearly wanted it. I don't think they had to, you know, beg him to come here and give him cartoon sacks of money, even though I think Arthur Blankbury has those in his office. So, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, I, it's easy for us as fans to get down on this team and where they're at. And it's understandable why we would. They've stunk for three straight years. You know, they, they fell apart after the Super Bowl in slow motion, which is maybe the worst way you can fall apart. Yeah. Um, but there's there's enough here that somebody like Fontenot would be eager to come in and say, especially with a coach that he seems to like and respect and Smith, you know, here's what we can do, you know, with the power we've been given and with the foundation that we have to get this team back to winning. And it, it's, it's not a dysfunctional top to bottom organization the way, you know, like something like the Jets are, or maybe even the Jaguars. Are. Right. Um, Texans. You know, definitely. All, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I think the Jags, you know, there's a ton of advantages there, but people miss that you don't have all those draft picks and all that money in a vacuum, right? You, you have it, but you may have an owner who definitely, you know, he said something about wanting roster control at some point and, and the coach is coming in and, you know, he's going to be more powerful than the GM. So there are all sorts of situations across the league and the Falcons in, in comparison to a lot of them, it's, it's a pretty good landing spot. And I just hope that he can make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think I've always thought it was a desirable job and I think the ownership angle makes a big difference more than a, a lot of outsiders realize. And it helps when you're going against the Jets, who are known for being a dumpster fire. It helps when you're going against the Jaguars and have an owner who's you know nice enough to come out and say straight up to the media that he's going to have final roster control and really throw that into the fire. And to have the Houston Texans, who are just you know, routinely shooting themselves in the foot by pissing off their star quarterback to the point where he might not even be there anymore. He's the reason to go to Houston. There is no other reason to go to Houston other than the fact that they have a star quarterback under contract for the foreseeable future. And they might not even have that anymore. So I don't know who the hell they're expecting to hire, but uh, that helped obviously make the Falcons more desirable overall. But I think even in, in a stronger year, this is an ownership an ownership situation that a GM wants to come into because even to a, I mean sometimes to a fault we've seen Arthur Blank be loyal to his people and want them to succeed and give them opportunities. So if I'm a GM, this is a, a very desirable place because I'm in a, I don't have to worry about getting canned for one bad year. This is not something that's going to happen in Atlanta. So um, that's that's a benefit that the team has. Did anybody else ha- want to weigh in on that? Uh, the, the Falcons. I did just, spot. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I did just want to say that I, I now realize that I was frozen for like four minutes there. So yeah. I apologize to everyone. No, that was, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the audio was coming through, so that was fine. Yeah. Did you have some there? I, I, I agree with, with Dave there. I think part of that, I mean, just reading in between the lines, I think part of that came off as, him knowing in the back of his mind that in all likelihood he would be the next GM in line in New Orleans. So he's not, it's kind of sort of like the Josh McDaniel situation with New England. You know, over the years we've looked, we've seen like, Hey, you know, McDaniels is not even really being tossed around as a candidate for head coaching jobs. And we kind of put two and two together and it's like, Oh, you know what? He's probably being groomed as Belichick's heir apparent. So I think it's the same thing. Um, I, I think he knew that, but kudos on blank for seeing that from afar and hopping on that immediately. Um, because you, if it, I, I don't, I don't know if fans understand that, but that to me, that can be a critical move 
that can kind of damper your rival because now Loomis has to kind of sort of groom someone else. Kind of sort of have to start from scratch again. And in the midst of what's, what they're getting ready to happen this, you know, this offseason for the Saints, you know, that can be critical when you're talking 5, 10, 15 years down the line from now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad he came here. He seems like one of the big up-and-coming guys that really people didn't seem to know about until now. Um, and I've never heard of him, certainly, so... <laughs> I haven't either, but looking at his background, I mean, it's pretty extensive and pretty respectable. But at the same time, I'm still, I'm still trying to put this together. Like, and it's not, it's not the fact that he really worked for the Saints for that long, but he's really like Louisiana through and through. Like, he was born in Louisiana, went to high school in Louisiana, went to college in Louisiana. Like, he really has an interest in the Falcons. Like, it's just, I'm just still trying to put all that together. Like, that's just, that's just me. I'm not saying he's lying or anything. But I just thought I would never see the day where there's a true Louisianian, whatever, however you want to say it, is interested in coming aboard the Falcons organization. Like that's yeah. I, I can't. Can, can, can anyone? Of you I'm guys, shocked. Can, yeah. Can anyone of you guys picture someone from Atlanta that's been in Atlanta like literally their entire life, and all of a sudden they have interest in a Saints job? I mean, if it was if it was between that and not being a GM. You know, I'd probably take the Saints job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a trader. Oh, yeah, money talks. Yeah, and the fact that I could be I can't, an NFL I can't GM. believe what I'm hearing here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disgusted. You know, well, I see if Mickey knocked on my door tomorrow, okay, and said, hey, Kevin, we love your we love your show. We want you to come and be, you know, in our analytics department or something. Yeah. You like? You, you think I would say no to that? No, I think, I think Kevin would sure enough leave and go to CSC if if the right opportunity came <laughs> that's not that's not what i said i said nfl job okay like analytics department okay don't don't put that don't put that evil on me okay that's <laughs> get him eric get him <laughs> yeah but no i mean yeah it, it would take an impressive offer from the saints to to lure me away from my cushy you know digs here at the falcoholic but uh you know csc it would take an extravagant offer you know one one would say that it would be you know comically large uh that to, to pry me away from here so large that I, I would guarantee that it's not possible. But uh... today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I do want to get to some... Yeah, 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 good answer. Good good save, good save. But uh, there's a lot... I mean, Fontenot, Fontenot had a lot of noteworthy quotes the biggest one i think that a lot of people latched on to were was his draft philosophy where he said you need to take the best player at every position you should never say oh we're good there and refuse to draft someone and people have basically taken this quote and run with it and it is supporting every single draft strategy that exists much to the chagrin i'm sure of of eric who's spent the last you know two weeks fighting off kyle pitts and jamar chase at four and that sort of thing yeah 
<laughs> but uh, DW, I'll let you take a crack at this. What are you reading into that comment? Does that mean anything to you, or are you just is it just refreshing to hear someone that's actually going to evaluate every player in the draft and not just go into it saying we're going to take this position? They're taking Mac Jones at four. Oh hell oh. yeah, brother! <laughs> I got. I'm I'm kidding. Uh, you guys can put the pitchforks down. Yeah, everybody, um, calm down. Relax. relax. Yeah, everyone, calm down. Have a drink. No, I, you know, I think the, I, I think it's legitimate. Um, and this is going to be interesting because uh, I, I joked on Twitter that, um, you know, Falcons fans are screaming for BPA and, you know, they're going to turn around and uh, draft a wide receiver at number four and the entire Falcons Twitter is going to have a complete meltdown. Um, but, you know, I, I think it does mean that the, we may see things we haven't seen under Dimitrov. Um, you know, when they talked about Ozzie Newsom, Newsom was someone that would trade back in the first round. Unlike Dimitrov, Dimitrov never seemed to want to move backwards and acquire more draft capital. And, you know, the thing to remember here with the Falcons is they have, I think, 31 players under contract for the 2021 season. They don't even they're they're 22 <laughs> short of even just having, you know, the, the starting day roster. Uh, now you're not going to fill all of those vacancies through the draft, but if you're looking to retool a franchise, um, and get younger, the best way to do that is through the draft. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it means everything's on the board quarterback, Mm -hmm. quite possibly, um, offensive tackle. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, you know, defensive, uh, absolutely. I think that's on the board and trading back, I think is a distinct possibility, especially when you hear that some of the teams, you know, four or five, six picks back from us are very interested in, in grabbing one of these top two or three quarterbacks. So, um, you know, I, I think the fact that this GM is thinking in, in a mindset that says, I just want to make the franchise better from a, a, a player quality standpoint and not just simply addressing needs, um, that alone is is refreshing, and and I think it's legitimate. Uh, obviously, you know we're we're in the first minutes of this game, and we need to see how it plays out. Um, but I hope that they stick to that philosophy because you know if you look at what Ozzy did uh, for all of his years, uh, he was clearly one of the greatest GMs of all time. And you know if that's the model, uh, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Evan, did you have any takes on that BPA comment? Does this you know uh, who are who are you standing now that everyone's on the table? um i mean before hearing that i was on the very pro uh let's move back side but i didn't know what his like philosophy was on that but now it seems like anything's a go so that's kind of going to make it more fun i think um but i think you know it's one of those situations where they have just so many options that it's not a bad spot to be in if they trade back they're going to collect a lot of picks and you know, he's got a history um, with the Saints of being able to draft well later on. So that wouldn't be a terrible thing. Um, but if they stay at four and take a quarterback, that also makes sense. You add, you know, look towards the future. Um, if they went with like Sewell or something random, uh, that would be fun. But like, you know, I don't know how that would exactly work. Um, but, you know, it, it, the other thing too is when he says best player available, I don't think that necessarily means that's what he's going to do with his first draft. He could just be like, you know, cause best player available to him might be somebody who's best, you know, not best player available to you. Like somebody watching might think Wilson's the best player available. And 
you know, think, oh, well, that's that's who they're taking. But he's a, uh, you know, the Saints had a pretty good investment in their offensive line. Maybe Sewell's the best player in his mind. Um, also, with Arthur Smith being a former offensive line coach and offensive lineman, that might play into it. I don't know. But um, that's the thing. I, I think the BPA thing, it's fun and stuff, but don't get too hung up on it because – he only had one press conference. Like we definitely don't know. Um, it's still January. So there's plenty of time for uh, players to rise and fall. So, yeah. 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 There's a lot of time and I'm still very much on the, they're probably going to take a quarterback train. This, this comment to me doesn't really move the needle. I'm, I'm appreciative of it. Certainly. Um, I think that that's a good strategy to have. I don't think you should ever arbitrarily just take a position off the board um, but I think any player you draft you need to have a plan for certainly, but it sounds like Fontenot does, you know, plan on scouting the entire draft class and will have a plan for these guys. And, you know, you mentioned it, Arthur Smith's an offensive line coach. We could see an early pick of a player like Panay Sewell, who is ostensibly a tackle in college, but maybe Arthur Smith sees him as a Brandon Scherf or, or a Quentin Nelson level guard to compliment Jake Matthews. Uh, and wants to plug him in there and really just completely take this offensive line from a you know average to a elite level. Um, I think that pick is absolutely more on the table now with Arthur Smith in the building. We know how he builds around the offensive line and how important that is to him. Um, so that is that is something to keep an eye on. I I st- I don't think wide receivers on the board at four. I'm just going to be honest with people. Like I really don't think that's an option. I do think that. This is, a, this is a GM that is going to be willing to trade down. Um, the Saints weren't really a team that ever traded down for the most part. They were very aggressive. Uh, but I think that also had to do with where they were as a team, right? Where this is a team that was in a, a window that needed to win now. They were trying to go and get a few key contributors uh, instead of stockpiling resources for the future because they're just going to have to blow it all up anyway now. So um, here in Atlanta, it's a different story. Obviously, they would they would like to compete in 2021, but I don't think they're expecting this team to be a Super Bowl contender in 2021. I think if anyone expects this team to just be a Super Bowl contender, you know, calm down a little bit on that. But I, I appreciate the willingness to take these types of players. And I think people probably should not focus so much on number four and focus more on the second round and focus more on the third round and those types of picks where... Everyone's honing in on edge and corner and safety and those types of things. And don't be surprised by by a shocker pick there. Like, don't be surprised by a second-round wide receiver. This is a really deep class with some quality guys in that range. Um, so just, it's we're all going to have to be on our toes because we were all getting pretty good at predicting what Dimitrov was going to do in the draft. I mean, I think over the course of Eric and I's mock drafts, we probably mocked almost every player that they would end up drafting in a given year over the course of like 20 mock drafts, because look like they have it, they had a prototype and they would go out and get it, but it's, it's a whole new world uh, under Terry Fontenot. And I'm excited to see who they target, but Evan's right. They absolutely have to nail this draft because they, they, they're not going to have a lot of flexibility to add veterans. Um, We, you know, we saw a report yesterday where PFT is projecting the cap to go down to 180 million I still don't think that's going to happen, by the way. But, you know, this is an article now putting a number on it. Um, that would be a disaster for the Falcons and for, like, 10 other teams. Uh, they would be really strapped against the cap, and they would probably need to rely on a lot of, 
UDFA contracts and a lot of rookie contracts to get under and field a, a 53-man roster at that point. So it's it's a sketchy situation, but I'm confident that Fontenot uh, can can handle it. And, you know, we've been hearing rumors about him bringing potentially some other Saints executives over. None of that's official yet, but I am interested to see if he ends up, you know, snagging any anyone else from the Saints before this is all said and done uh, and just continue to rob the saints of their top people. Uh, so maybe this is like a reverse hit, Eric. Like this is not a, uh, we're going to destroy the Falcons. It's actually like, we're going to destroy the saints by just taking all their best people and, and coming to Atlanta. So did you ever consider that? <laughs> but you might be on to something. Yeah. This, maybe this is the long, the long game by Fontenot, but in reverse. They do have some notable free agents this offseason, guys. <laughs> Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson. Yeah. Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I really do like Fontenot, and I, I enjoyed his press conference a lot. I think it was fantastic. Um, did anyone else have any comments on Fontenot or his press conference to get in here before we switch gears a little bit? Nope. All righty. Well, let's move on uh, to Arthur Smith's conference because uh, we did talk about Arthur Smith. I think everyone here had a chance to weigh in on that one. Uh, Eric, did you have a chance to weigh in on Arthur Smith yet? I don't know if you were there on Friday. Uh, I was you, you did on, I guess, Sunday maybe, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I weighed in on, you know, on Sunday and I did catch, you know, most of his press conference. Um, so, I mean, it, it, but it, I mean, what... What I heard and saw in the press conference is pretty much what I thought of him and what I thought to what I expected to hear. You know, this is it's and I saw um, I saw some were kind of turned off already by his personality, I guess. Um, but who cares? I mean, hell, to be honest with you, Bill Belichick has a dull personality also, but the man wins games and championships. That's all we care about here. Right. So. Arthur Smith is a very smart individual, man. He he really knows his X's and O's. I know he was only in Tennessee for, you know, a handful of years, but this guy worked his way up the ranks. And again, we brought it up a lot, especially in our group chat. He worked with what three different coaching regimes in Tennessee. You don't really see that. You don't see an assistant coach being passed over. I mean, hell, he just walked in today and just kicked all the coaching assistants out of the building pretty much. And he lasted three coaching terms. So that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, everything that I, that I saw and heard from this press conference was, was pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did like his conference. I mean, it was a little, I mean, compared to Fontenot, it was like extremely dry, but like, look, it was fine. Like this is, this guy's here to coach your football team. He's a first time head coach. He's not used to the media spotlight. He's not used to giving press conferences. It's just not his cup of tea. Uh, and after Dan Quinn, honestly, it's a little bit refreshing in my opinion. Like this is clearly a football guy. Um, he's a coach. He's not the face of the team. He's not comfortable doing that yet. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't do we really need him to be at this point? I mean, no, guy, I think, I think Fontenot can clearly handle that job. So, <laughs> But the guy really hasn't even looked over the roster yet. Right. So he doesn't <laughs> know what his roster is going to look like, you know, three months from now compared to, you know, like is it, give him time, let him get settled in. I mean, the guy, he's, he's still making his way around the building at this point. So, I mean, just he, he's, he's going to be fine. I, I will say this. 
just from what he presented and what Fontenot presented, I already can tell that they're on the same page because they're looking at it from a perspective of we need to fix the roster from top to bottom, Mm -hmm. not just we need to improve here and improve there and improve here. They say they're coming into it saying, hey, we need to look over the entire scope of the roster from the starters to the undrafted free agents and see what we need to do, how we need to improve. And, and that I can appreciate. Yeah. And uh, I know Dave is on a little bit of a timeline here. So I, I, I know we haven't gotten DW's thoughts at all on Arthur Smith yet. So we're going to go to DW in just a second, but I did want to give Dave uh, a chance to weigh in on Arthur Smith's press conference. And if there was anything in there that stood out to you, Dave, uh, that you wanted to comment on before you have to get out of here. Yeah, I don't want to rob uh, DW, a fellow beautiful bald man of his time, but um, I will say that, uh, you know, I I thought what was interesting about him is that he's already clearly ready to be a head coach because he was really good at taking very specific questions and either deflecting them or just not answering. Like several times it was like, Arthur Smith, tell me exactly which players you're going to get rid of. And he was like, well, we got a lot of players here and uh, we're going to look at all of them, you know, so that he's, he's ready to go from that perspective. And I respect that. But I also, I also was impressed at like, you know, this is clearly a guy who means business and has, again, like Fontenot has a plan, you know, and, and he knows what he wants to do. And, you know, when he was talking about accountability, we're going to drop the entitlement you know, he kind of caught himself and said, not that that was going on here, but that's something that's been brought up a lot about the Falcons, right? Is that some players felt entitled. Jeff Schultz at The Athletic has written about that several times. And, you know, I think there's probably something to that for it to keep coming up. And it might've been something that he heard in the interview process. It might not have been, who knows? But I, I really think his plan is to come in here and build a bulldozer of a team. You know, that's really what he wants to do. He's going to hold players accountable. He said he wants to be accountable himself with wins and losses and that, you know, every year the team is going to change significantly and they're just going to have to be adaptable. And I think after the last few years, especially, you know, post-2018, post-2019, when we just kept getting really more of the same, you know, from, from people who weren't willing to give up on what was here and the dream of replicating a Super Bowl that wasn't coming back which is really what happened getting somebody in here who's talking about shaking things up and being comfortable with them being shaken up over and over again is really refreshing. So, you know, he's, he might not be the most dynamic guy. He might look like Nicholas cage, you know, right after he's stolen the declaration of independence and national treasure, but I like Arthur Smith. I think he'll be a good coach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you again for, for your, for coming on Dave. I don't know if you have to go right now, but I, I wanted to, give you a chance he's dave at the falcoholic dave is did you want to plug anything before you had to get out of here uh just you know stick with us tomorrow morning we're gonna look at some saints free agents boo hiss um <laughs> who you know might come over with terry Fontenot joining the team there's some interesting names on that list and you know i know the gang has got a ton of good articles coming on you know what this coaching staff and front office might do and what's ahead for free agency in the draft so just you know Always keep reading us, always keep watching us, and we'll always be watching you. Always. <laughs> Only a little bit creepy, Dave. I appreciate that. It's just the right amount. 
just the right yeah, it's the delivery. It's, yeah, it's really the yeah, delivery. Makes that makes it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again for coming on, Dave. We appreciate your time. No problem. Take it easy, guys. Yes. Hashtag Dave Meat, folks. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, DW. Yes, I, I know we haven't had a chance to ask you yet about your thoughts on the Arthur Smith hiring at all. So go ahead and, and give me your thoughts on Arthur Smith. And if you have any notes from the press conference you want to get out there, feel free to add those as well. Yeah, let me let me say this. The one thing about the press conference that jumped out, um, I, I do think the accountability angle is critical. You know, the we saw even after Dan Quinn was gone, a notable change in the play of several players. You know, I think about guys like Deion Jones, uh, who suddenly seemed to come to life again. Um, and you know, I, I think that is I think that's intentional. I think they saw this roster from afar and thought, you know, we've got some guys who we need to ride them consistently, make sure that they know their position is never 100% secure. Um, I I really liked that. Um, I also like the fact that he said he's not going to, you know, bring in a bunch of yes men. Uh, I've been on teams, organizations where you have people, uh, you have a leader and everyone down the chain just echoes what that person says. Uh, those groups tend to stagnate over time. They tend to not innovate. They tend to uh, stifle out you know, new ideas. And the fact that he's addressing that and saying he's going to have dissenting opinions uh, on his coaching staff, I think is a huge deal. Now, as for my personal opinion of Arthur Smith, I, I was telling you guys before we got on the, uh, uh, the, the, the show here that um, I watched eight Titans games uh, this weekend from uh, the 2020 season because I wanted to see the offense myself. And uh, let me tell you, I, I could not be more excited for what he's going to do with Atlanta. Um, you know, people talk a lot about um, Derrick Henry, and rightfully so, a uh, fantastic player. Uh, I saw quite a few times where it was the offensive line opening up just massive running lanes for Henry. And obviously he took advantage of that. Um, but a lot of this has to do with the scheme uh, that he was running in, in the wide zone and setting up. The thing that that really struck me is what Shanahan used to do. Shanahan would show you a look early in the game, um, and he would run out of that look, you know, pick up three, four, five yards, and he would show you that look two or three more times, and he would have a pass to a tight end, uh, an out to a wide receiver, a crossing route to another wide receiver. You never knew what was coming. And he got – it was like he was reading the defense. He knew when they were going to bite on play action, and that's when he would call a play action. And all of a sudden, those linebackers are – you know they're five feet closer to the box than they should be. You know Where, where they should be in the middle of those passing lanes, those guys are, have bit for that run. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is play calling. That is Arthur Smith knowing how to manipulate those other guys on that side of the ball. The thing that blew me away – was the number of times I saw uh, their top receiver um, where you saw A.J. Brown somehow get one-on-one coverage. We rarely see Julio get that. But you would see that he would manipulate that safety, that safety that's usually supposed to be there for that over-the-top coverage to to help that double with Julio um, or for A.J. Brown in in the case of the Titans. And using the formations, using motion, uh, using that those receiving tight ends, he's pulling that safety away and creating a one-on-one matchup for his top receiver and did that consistently. And that defense would not figure out a way to adjust to it. Um, it was a brilliantly run 
offense. It reminded me – now, there are differences between what he does and what Shanahan does. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find it very interesting that their fourth uh, highest targeted uh, player was their second tight end. So he loves using two tight end sets in Tennessee, which makes you wonder, you know, what kind of role Russell Gage may have or if they're going to adapt to the personnel here. Um, But I'll tell you, from what I saw in these Titans games, um, we may have gotten one of the best up and coming play callers in the league. And he's running our team now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always, as uh, Terry Fontenot said, admired him from afar. Uh, and I, what always stood out to me about Arthur Smith was his creativity. And I think also folks need to remember that, like, this is not going to be an alien scheme to Matt Ryan. This is a scheme that, at its heart, is pretty similar to Kyle Shanahan's scheme. It's not drastically different. I'm sure the verbiage and the terms that he's going to use and that sort of stuff is all different. Uh, it's Marvel characters, apparently, according to his press conference, which is also very cool. Um, but, you know, and I'm going to do an article about this tomorrow. A lot of fans have been obsessed about, well, it was Derrick Henry. You know, he needs a Derrick Henry. got to get him a Derrick Henry. He made it clear in his press conference that he doesn't need a Derrick Henry. He he used Derrick Henry because they had him. Like, of course, when you have a Derrick Henry, you're going to run this man into the ground because he's an incredible talent. Um, but that's not necessary. I mean, he can, this wide zone can work with a variety of running backs. You don't need a Derrick Henry prototype to run it. Devontae Freeman, fourth round pick, ran the wide zone to great effect with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we've seen many different running backs have success in this role. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones and Green Bay, they run kind of more of a multiple zone with some, in, with a lot of inside zone mixed in. But again, that's a fifth round pick. Like you can get a lot of running backs that can succeed in this scheme. You don't need Derrick Henry to do it. Like, have you seen yeah. the running backs Kyle Shanahan trots out every week? Like, <laughs> if there's if there's anything that I guess would fit this scheme, you will more likely want a running back that is that is versed in those type of schemes. A guy mm-hmm. that can run inside zone, a guy that can run outside zone, a guy that can be able to adapt as a running back. You don't necessarily need a 6'3", 250-pound running back in order to make this scheme work. I don't no. know why people believe that, but that is far from it. They just it's, – it's great to have someone like Derrick Henry, um, and he led the league in rushing the past two years, but I think this was a situation where the scheme that they had so happened to have a lightning in the bottle at running back. Yeah. I If you would have put – you would have put Devontae Freeman back there. I, I guarantee you Devontae Freeman probably would have had a thousand yards. He yeah. probably would have had like twelve hundred yards minimum. Yeah. <laughs> yards. Yeah. Yeah. So. Todd Gurley may have gotten a thousand yards. Yeah, maybe. Game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And to that point, Eric, I don't know if you saw this as well. A lot of Henry's yards came in in the second half of games mm-hmm. where yeah. he was beating the hell out of those linebackers. And here's the other thing I like about Arthur Smith. He doesn't just stretch the field vertically. He stretches mm-hmm. it horizontally. Mm-hmm. He forces those linebackers to cover sideline to sideline, and he is wearing those guys out. Those linebackers, those safeties covering these tight ends and these, in you know, again, he loves using tight ends as his as his receivers. He's forcing these guys to run sideline to sideline. When he gets into the second half, that's when you see him start abusing them. It, yeah. I mean, it was just brilliant and. You know, again, I'm not taken away from Henry, but like Eric said, I, I just think it's way overstated this idea that you have to have a prototypical back to, to succeed in the system. Arthur Smith 
was manipulating the hell out of that defense every single week. And he was doing to them things they didn't want done. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Imagine, take someone like, hypothetically, take someone like Travis Etienne from Clemson and put him in this scheme. Now, I to be quite honest, Etienne is is he's not six three two fifty, but the fact that he can be able to get to the second level so fast and get to the secondary so fast, he may even have better production down the line than Derrick Henry. It's not this is not a Derrick Henry scheme. This is a scheme that just so happened to have a thoroughbred at running back, and they used them well yeah. enough. Yeah, honestly, Derrick Henry is kind of the rare big back with that sort of speed and explosiveness. I mean, um, most most wide zone backs aren't that size like they're Devontae Freeman size like so, you know, don't don't think that like usually backs of what Henry's size are usually gap power guys. You know, they're going to do one cut and go. They're not running sideline to sideline, but you're at the huddle and you're saying, oh, they're running three tight ends. No, that's a running back. back (laughs) Yeah, that just reminds me of that Mark Ingram picture. (laughs) That's the best picture, man. He's just looking up at him like, oh, hell no. Two tight ends and a running back. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You guys know my favorite story ever behind that Mark Ingram picture? You're going to tell us, I hope. So it got to this point where Mark Ingram, whenever he posted like a tweet, people would only (laughs) post that picture at him. And he, he was so bothered by it. He would like hide it every single time. <laughs> so you go into the like hidden like tweets and it's just like 30 tweets of just that picture over and over again. <laughs> That's amazing. And speaking of Adnan Ikic has joined the show. I know some astute viewers noticed, you know, the pop up on the screen. Adnan, we haven't gotten a chance to get your opinion on Terry Fontenot yet. So I wanted if you had quick thoughts on him before we get back to Arthur Smith, yeah. I wanted to give you a I mean- chance. Yeah. Uh, all I'm wondering is why he hasn't traded Matt Ryan yet. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's been 24 hours. Time is ticking at this point. You know, well, well, we we need a replacement. We need to bring in someone who doesn't have a noodle arm. You know, yes. give us a nice rushing quarterback. That value is getting lower by the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's not getting any younger. In fact, he's getting even older. That's how time works. <laughs> I just don't know if there's any signs to support that. <laughs> um, no, uh, in, in all honesty, though, um, yeah, no. Terry Fontenot, he won the press conference. Like, um, he was absolutely fantastic in that press conference. He was genuine. He had those wonderful moments, particularly when he was talking about Vaughn McClure, uh, was one that really stood out to me. Um, and, you know, bringing his kids out in Falcons gear, that's that's a really nice touch. Uh, and it, it's a really... It's a really nice way to calm those voices of, oh, he, um, he's a he's a spy sent by the deep, the deep south, uh, the deep state saints, <laughs> which you know I, I don't know if Eric still believes that or not, but you know it, it's possible. All right, we're not going to kill it yet. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fair, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's Terry Fontenot was like great, and it, it it's great that um, it was a great ringing endorsement from Mickey Loomis saying that he was uh, he was grooming Fontenot to be his own replacement eventually with the Saints. So it was a great way to kind of screw over the Saints in the in the future. Fontenot said all the right things, and I'm really excited to see where he goes with this team. There's also that talk that he, you may get that salary cap specialist from the Saints, yeah, which yeah. would really piss Sean Payton off. So that would be that would be a haul. That would be a great get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be excited about that as well. 
Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add on Arthur Smith while, while we got you on, on the mic here? Yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith, he, like I said, everything that I wanted to say about him in our uh, reaction show to him, he's not amazing in the press conference. You know, I mean, some some blogs think that he, he's already, uh, you know, a failure as the head coach as a, as a result of that. But um, it, I'm really excited. I can't really add much more to what DW said. You know, he spent the last 72 hours just hauled in at home watching Titans games over and over, one after the other. So I'm genuinely excited for his scheme. You know, his message on accountability was something that really resonated because this team, it feels like, hasn't really had much accountability in the past five, six years uh, since since Dan Quinn came and since Mike Smith was there as well. Um, you know, the, the talk about innovation, uh, innovative offenses, the talk about adapting was really a breath of fresh share, especially since we haven't adapted once on offense or defense in the last three or four years. So it'll be, it. I feel like it'll be a great era. And I feel like Arthur Blank really at this point hit it out of the park. You know, I mean, what, what we see on the field is what we'll judge it by, but right now we can only judge it by what we heard in the press conference. And, you know, I heard a lot of great stuff in that press conference. Yeah. It was very exciting, extremely exciting. And for those that were still wondering, uh, Arthur Smith did confirm that he will be calling the plays in his press conference. I know there was some stupid report out there from somebody that was like, oh, maybe he won't call the plays. Maybe he'll give them over to Dave Ragone from the Bears. Yeah, no, Arthur Smith's going to call the plays. That's why he was hired in part. Um, another reason I think he was hired in part and something that really stood out to me was his a word that kept coming up over and over and over again in that conference was his adaptability. Um <clears throat> And he made it clear, and this is something that we've really clamored for on this show, uh, is you, you, modern coaching is building a scheme to fit the players you have or the players you're planning to acquire. Old school coaching is, this is our scheme, and you need to get with the program, and we're going to run this scheme. I don't care if we have three 180-pound wide receivers. We're running, you know, four verts uh, with, like, a bunch of crossers, and you're going to have to go over the middle against these huge safeties and get clobbered. Uh <clears throat> So, like, he made it clear, like, what what I did in Tennessee, like, don't assume that's what my offense will look like in Atlanta because I tailored that offense to fit what we had in Tennessee. We had big wide receivers, we had some good tight ends, and we had Derrick Henry. So, guess what? I threw to A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, I ran the hell out of Derrick Henry, and I used those two tight ends, like... And and that's basically what he did, and, that's, and what he said was, look, we're gonna adapt, like... He, he said, you know, their their foundation is wide zone in the run game, but he's going to change it. Like he, he, you know, he made it clear that he doesn't need a Derrick Henry. He's going to go out and probably get the best running back he can, whether that's, you know, Najee Harris or Javante Williams or Chubba Hubbard or, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, who's completely different from those other guys in terms of his size. Like uh, it's going to be adaptable. And I think that's really important for this team. Uh so, Evan, I wanted to give you a chance to weigh in on that. What do you think about that adaptability and how his offense might look in Atlanta versus how it looked in Tennessee? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of early to tell, but I think he's got much better talent in Atlanta he can play with. Um, obviously, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are not, not awful or anything, but I think Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are an upgrade there. Um as Eric was talking about, 
you know, you don't have to have a Derrick Henry, but maybe they look in free agency at like a Mike Davis or somebody um, who can, who can kind of play that role. Maybe they go with two running backs, kind of like how we did with Freeman and Coleman years ago. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of up in the air because it's like Derrick Henry was such a large part of it, but having Derrick Henry also made Ryan Tannehill better because like I, (laughs) I mentioned before the show, like, I didn't realize Ryan Tannehill had seven rushing touchdowns. That just seems like such an absurd amount. Um, And this is Ryan Tannehill who was literally like thrown out of Miami uh, because they thought he was like garbage. And he basically had his career. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He had his career turned around in Tennessee. Um, I think he had like 33 passing touchdowns and like seven interceptions, which is a solid year for a quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I just don't know how the offense is going to work, but it's also exciting because I feel like he could literally just be like, go out there and do something and it would be a better offense already just because there's some sort of instruction. The offense we're used to has just been vanilla and boring and predictable. Um, hopefully no second and 10 runs. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for the offense overall. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying, Evan, and I agree. We should bring in Tannehill to replace Matt Ryan as our quarterback. <laughs> Trade for Tannehill. That's what Adon is taking away from all this. All right, you heard it here, folks. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's very exciting. I, I love the adaptability. Uh, I think that based – like, I think if you look at Atlanta's scheme and – well, the type of players Atlanta has and this offense, like, it's probably going to be, you know, more of a, a wide zone approach – um, I know he that Smith mixed in some gap power stuff and some inside zone in, in Tennessee. I think this offensive line is probably built more to do wide zone stuff with the athleticism that they have. I think it's also going to be a more pass-heavy offense, um, and that has to do with Matt Ryan being a, a much better overall passer than Tannehill. Tannehill's very efficient, but he's not a guy that you want throwing 30 times a game. I mean, you want him to throw the ball 20, 25 times max. Um and hope that Derrick Henry gets like 25 carries and that's your offense. So I think that um, this will be a more pass-heavy attack under Matt Ryan uh, with Arthur Smith here. You know, I think that the running game will actually be a functional part of the offense that actually adds something instead of just being a wasted down most of the time. Um, so that is going to be big. But So you, you do think they're going to they're gonna put the ball in the air? I mean, I think it's going to be... It's going to be closer to like Kyle Shanahan levels of offensive balance than like what it was in Tennessee, um, where I mean it might even be more like it might be sixty you know sixty forty pass run here, whereas in Tennessee it was more like fifty five forty five and that sort of thing. So um, I think that he's he's adaptable. I think he knows that the strength of this team is likely to be the passing game at least in twenty twenty one. And I think the run, I think the run game is going to be a part of it, as a much bigger part than it was under Dirk Cutter. But I still think the passing game is going to be the focus because you've got Matt Ryan, you've got Julio Jones, you got Calvin Ridley, um, and I find it hard to believe any running back they find is going to upstage those guys, at least not in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I don't want to. It's still early, so we don't really know what the offense is going to look like. But I think this may be—I think this may be a year where we actually see Matt throwing the ball maybe 
25 times a game, to be honest with you. I mean, that worked out great for him in 2016. I think that's about what he averaged in terms of attempts per game. A great mixture of play action in there. Because I, I pointed out before on Twitter, he's had six seasons, six or seven seasons of over 600 passing attempts, and Cutter has been the coordinator for like five of them. Yeah. And I think out of those five seasons, they've only had like one playoff season. Mm-hmm. So basically <laughs> Basically, what we're getting at is we love Matt. Everybody except Matt, man. He doesn't. He despises him. Yeah. Um, We love Matt, but we love Matt better when he's not throwing the ball 40 times a game. I think this may be be a season where you may not have your Derrick Henry, but like you pointed out, this may be a two-back system. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see some games where Matt's going to be throwing the ball 25, 28 times a game. I think it works better that way because you get the upgrade at receiver. You go from A.J. Brown to Julio Jones. You go from Corey Davis to Calvin Ridley. Now implement the whole play action and getting those guys in a ton of one-on-one situations. And I think, I mean, from that aspect alone, the passing offense can be just as deadly, if not even better, than what they had in Tennessee. But I, I, that's just my opinion. I, I think he's going to dial it back a little bit this year. When it comes I mean, to- yeah, he'll, he'll absolutely dial it back from Cutter. I mean, Cutter's passing volume was just stupid. Like, I mean, but it's because the run game was basically a wasted down, and I think he kind of tacitly acknowledged that by having Matt Ryan throw, you know, 35, 40 times on average a game. Uh, so that's too many passing attempts. Um, like, I think... I, th- I just think it's going to be more passing attempts than Ryan Tannehill. And I also think that, you know, where Tennessee got into trouble, especially, was that defense was bad. And if they got behind, uh, they weren't a team that was really built to, like, pull off a lot of big comebacks. Um, Matt Ryan's more equipped to do that. The Falcons will be more equipped yeah. to do that. Um, this team, I think that's what this team could be. That's yeah, something that I, I think so, too. Yeah. In that favor for Arthur Smith. Like, hey, he can say, hey, you know what? If we if we need a shootout type offense, I got the personnel to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, DW, what do you think the offense is going to look like? I mean, uh, we've been going back and forth on it. Do you have any any inklings of where this might be headed? Well, I, I'm looking at Tannehill stats. Uh, he had 481 attempts, which is roughly <laughs> 30 per game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. To your point, it's you know far less than the 600 that uh, Matt has been tossing, uh, you know, under Cutter since 2012. Uh, I, I do think they're going to try to focus more on the run. The other thing to to keep in mind here as well is it's, you know, and I saw this in some of the Tennessee games where they kept playing from behind, so they had to pass uh, a little bit more at times than they wanted to. Uh, in the games where they were ahead, they certainly ran a lot in the second half, but they, there were a few instances where you know, they kept letting uh, teams like the Jaguars and the Vikings uh, stay in the game and they just couldn't put them away because their defense was a problem. Um, so, you know, for me, it's going to depend as well on what the Falcons defense can do in 2021. That's going to dictate a little bit of, you know, what the Falcons do on offense. If, you know, we're in the same situation where we keep ending up behind or we're, you know, neck and neck with the team, uh, you know, the Falcons may be inclined to pass more simply because of situational football. Um, but if we can establish the run earlier in the game, which is something Cutter never did, I think we'll see more balance than we ever got with uh, with Dirk. And uh, I don't think we'll get to perfect balance until we have a defense that is going to do a little bit better job of retaining leads and 
uh, forcing the other team to, you know, have some three and outs and, and, you know, giving us the ability to, to pad some leads instead of, you know, constantly chasing after them. So I, I think it's, it's going to be a multi-pronged approach. I think this offense in year one may still be pass heavy. Uh, but I think as the team grows, if the defense gets better, I, I think you'll see it become a more balanced unit over time. I thought yeah. we were going to take Najee Harris at number four and then just pound the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to get the ball out of that bum Matt Ryan's hands, right, Adnan? Hey, now you're speaking my language. Exactly. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Eric and I were going back and forth on Twitter. Apparently, they only let you draft running backs once a century, yeah. uh, by the way yeah. people were talking about. There's very know. specific rules for this, so... That's it. They only have one pick in this year's draft, and they got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Or else. I've often said this. Yeah, Adnan, did you have something you wanted to add there? Um, no, I was just going to say that, I don't know, people may may start to actually think that I don't like Matt Ryan. Like, uh, <laughs> we got to be careful with this bit. Yeah, we got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got to be careful not to overdo it, you know, at right. this point. It's like, I, I don't want Sarah Ryan, like, adding me on Twitter or anything <laughs> like that. Saying, you know, well, it could oh, be good for you your brand, husband? you know. Yeah. You could, you uh, could I don't pull off like a Stephen A. Smith sort of mythos, you know. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Pass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I wouldn't want that smoke either, to be fair, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think it's very interesting, the sorts of things we're going to see under Arthur Smith. Uh, we got Guy Fieri, a.k.a. Solaire, with $3. Thank you, brother, for your support. We appreciate you. He says, hiring a Titans offensive coordinator, he uses the Shanahan system along with an aging former MVP quarterback. We're about to be the worst 13-3 and team in league history, baby. Let's go. Packers 2.0, here we come. Uh yeah, and I mean, I, I do think Solaire has a point here. Like, I I don't know that 13-3 and three is on the table for the Falcons, but this is a team that will be a hot pick to rebound. We talked about it last week. This, they were 0-7 in games decided by six points. I, I, I yeah. do just want to say 13-3 and three may not be out on the table, but 13-4 and four may hey, be on the table. Hey, now you're talking, buddy. Now you're talking 13-4, and four, that extra 17 game. 17-game season. Hey, I didn't think about that. That's important. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, te- this is a team that's going to be a trendy bounce back pick new coaching staff arguably one of the hottest candidates in the league and arthur smith a gm that's probably gonna be making headlines for how impressive he is uh i expect this to be a pretty explosive off season if what we've seen so far is any indication um so i mean i don't think it's out of the question for this team to be competitive next year i don't know you know 13 and 3 i think is a little aggressive you know solaire i i appreciate the onions there uh but yeah i mean i what do you guys think? Is this, you know, is this, are you expecting this team to kind of flirt with a winning record again in 2021, like right off the bat? I think we'll be a playoff team calling it. Okay. There you go. Hot Damn. takes out the gate. Yeah. What do you got, DW? So uh, if you look at the number of close games the Falcons were in and the fact that they lost every single one of them. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there, there's this uh, this tendency in the NFL that uh, teams tend to, re- uh, to move back to the mean. And close games usually are 50-50 for NFL clubs. Um, and I think they had, I want to say, six or seven close games that were within a touchdown that they lost. Uh, so if you split those, the Falcons are a seven or eight win team. And uh, I think, you know, statistically, you look at them, they're, they're sort of middle of the road. And they were middle of the road with uh, an offensive coordinator uh, who literally, you know, was calling an offense from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So 
I think just simply making improvements in scheme with this, you know, most of this roster back can yield another win or two, which makes them, you know, a 10 win team, uh, you know, and that, that potentially puts them in the playoffs. So I don't think it's out of uh, a stretch to think that this current roster can be much better than they were just by a coaching turnover. And if you add some of the right pieces, you know, maybe, maybe it pushes that a little bit further. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Eric, did, I think you, I heard you saying something as well as you want to get a take in there. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not throwing records out there until I see this draft. Call. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I want to see it because, because like DW brought up earlier, the fact that they only have 31 players, it, they literally are going to have to build pretty much half a roster this offseason. And yeah. Yeah. it's going to take a lot of work. So I want to see what that looks like. Ask me again in training camp. At the beginning of training camp, ask me. I'll probably have a record for you by then. A projection okay, by that's, fair. that's fair. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I think this team is certainly going to f- – I think – I don't think it would be – I don't think it's outlandish at all to say they'll probably have a winning record. Uh, but, you know, in in the 17-game season, that could be 9-8, and eight, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen. Um, I, I think they're going to get better, certainly. I- they do have a better schedule next year than they yes, did this they year. Yes, they do. They do. A fourth place schedule next year. I mean, yeah. we get um, we get the 49ers who have quarterback questions. We get the Lions who have quarterback questions. We get the Jags who have one winning like, season. Huh? We get Urban Meyer? Yeah, we get the Jags who have like one winning season in the past like 45 years. So, you know, that'll be. That that'll be a nice boon. I think that's is that the week seven or is that the seventeenth game or the week seventeen game? Like, I, I it's just the seventeenth game. I don't know what week of the season. Seventeenth game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's um, it's a fourth place schedule, and nine and eight could get you into the playoffs because you know there's still seven teams and uh going into it next year as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, I think it's. I think you should expect the Falcons to be better if they're not better. You know, we're going to be facing some significant questions a year from now. Uh, I don't think we're going to be in that situation. I'm pretty confident we're not going to be 4-12 and 12 again because it's going to be impossible to be 4-12 and 12 again in a 17-game season. So, you know, I you can't – freezing cold takes me on that one, freezing cold takes. But uh, it they're going to be better. The question is how much better and how quickly. Um, and Fontenot and Arthur Smith have both made it clear that this is – a, a multi-year plan they're not just focusing on 2021 uh evan did you want to get a take in there as well uh i was just going to mention the history of it that the last time the falcons went three straight seasons um without making the playoffs was 2013 to 2015 so 2016 was the fourth year so oh great yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm completely against. No, no offense, Kevin. I'm completely against ever looking at the history of anything again because it's just gotten worse and worse. At first, it's oh Matt Ryan every even numbered year has this like amazing season, and then it's oh you know the Falcons in every election year have this amazing season, and now it's gotten down to like oh after three losing seasons, then the Falcons have you know a great season, so. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm uh, I'm over the history of, of things. But let's just do it. Let's just do it on the field. Do the damn. Why'd you put that out there, Evan? You knew <laughs> someone was going to take that and run with it. 
Well, for what it's worth, they haven't gone three, like uh, four or more seasons without um, making the playoffs since 1990. And that's the year I was born. So oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's a nice shot to, uh, to DW right there. <laughs> Damn. Before yeah. that, I think they missed like nine straight seasons without making the playoffs. But so I am the gift to the Falcons franchise. You are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and DW watched all all nine of those years, probably. Am I right? I've been watching football since the 1920s. So <laughs> back back when they used to play, you know, with a, an actual pigskin, not and it wasn't even in the shape of an ogblon. We, we would throw yeah. actual pigs. We would bring baby pigs uh, to the field and throw them. So that's a, that's a lot of tequila, DW. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, yeah, yeah. no idea. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be on here for a little bit longer, guys. If anyone had any has any final donations or questions they want to get in, throw those down so we have a chance to get to those before the end of the show. Thank you, guys, so much for your support. Uh, and also, please do like the show and subscribe if you haven't already. Both of those help us out in a big way. Help other folks find us on the YouTube's. We really appreciate that. And also check us out on Patreon if you're interested in supporting the show getting access to our exclusive patron Q&A that's going to be happening, I believe. It's going to be next Friday is when we're, we're honing in on. So if you're interested in taking part in that, make sure you're a patron uh, by next week so that I, I can invite you to that. <laughs> Otherwise, if you cut it too close, I might forget to invite you. So, you know, you've been, you've been warned now. Um, but uh, I did want to touch on some potential coaches that have been floated for coordinators and other things for the Falcons. The big one obviously being former Titans defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, very famous coach, obviously um, could be coming out of retirement, potentially to join the Falcons as defensive coordinator or some other significant role. Uh, that could be a huge get. Anybody have a take on, on Dean Pease taking over the defense here? Uh, yeah, that definitely, of course, means three, four alignment. Um. And I don't, I don't expect Dean Pease to be a miracle worker in year one, given the personnel that he has now, and and how much that has to convert over to the three fours. So, um, that's also going to be something critical that we're going to look at during the draft as well. But um, you know, we will he if I guess when it comes to you know defensive coordinators, I mean, you look back at his time at Baltimore, and the guy. Guys produced, man. Uh, I know he's a little up there in age, but that I don't I don't know if you can get any better than Dean Pease out there on the on the you know coaching market right now. Maybe Wade Phillips. Um, but there's there's really no there's really no wrong choice between those two, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a big fan of Dean Pease. Obviously, took a year off, but in the year he was gone from Tennessee, that defense fell off a cliff. So uh, he's one of the most well-respected defensive minds in the league. Uh, I would be super excited to have him here in Atlanta. And maybe that would mean a scheme change. Maybe it wouldn't mean that. I mean, the Falcons, honestly, from playing the 4-3 under, basically have what they need to play a 3-4, you know, what they've got the nose tackle and Tyler Davison. They could play Grady and Deidre Sonat as three, four defensive ends. I mean, like Dante Fowler's already a better outside linebacker than he is an edge or than he is a defensive end. So like, 
they have the and I'm not saying keep Allen Bailey. That's not what I'm saying. So don't don't misconstrue that. But like they're not that many pieces away from having a, a three four personnel ready to go. So yeah. You know. well, how about if we uh, bring in one of one of the former Titans defensive players by the name of Vic Beasley? No. <laughs> we need an outside Just linebacker. Titans. You say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Titans great yeah, Vic know, Beasley. Arthur Smith is very familiar with Vic Beasley, you know, having um, been in Tennessee with him. Not not right when he signed, but a few weeks later because, you know, he was buying a truck or something, which he posted on Instagram <laughs> while he was uh, dipping from training camp. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, so um, help me out here. When it comes to Dean Pease and his uh, philosophy, his defensive philosophy, what is the main – Covers that they're that he's utilizing within it. Is it a cover two look, or are they doing more man principles, or what? Because I think it's cover two man is generally what they run, but I could be wrong about that. Because that's going to dictate a lot on the back end for what the Falcons have in the secondary now. Yeah, um, which means you're going to see a lot more, as you pointed out, too deep coverage. And I don't know if anyone here trusts Keanu Neal on the back end. Playing deep zone coverage. I, I, not anymore. I, I, I do not. Uh, no. Well, yeah, I don't you know. I, I do not. Uh, we know Scary. they're going to draft at least one safety. <laughs> it's probably probably need two if we're going to be playing that. Yeah. So and, and don't put Ricardo Allen back there either. He's also very uh, no. Yeah, Jeez. I feel I feel he's bad for Ricardo. Yeah, he be, is six six point two five million. Hell yeah, he's going to be cut. Yeah. <laughs> given the cornerback situation, AJ Terrell had a hell of a year, but he's much better of a zone corner than he is a man corner. So it might be cover two zone. I I don't remember exactly, but it's cover two with maybe it's maybe it's a mixed look. I don't know, but uh, you know we'll see. I don't I don't remember exactly if they they do zone or man. It's probably a mix. I mean, most teams do a mix, but um, yeah. I mean, I they're gonna need at least one safety back there. Um, I like Jalen Hawkins. He doesn't have like the greatest range, but as a stopgap, he's probably okay. Um, I like better as a strong, as a deep cover, strong safety than Keanu. No yeah. Offense. He's definitely a little bit more range. Like yeah. yeah. But like, there's a lot of safeties in this class. Like you could double dip at safety in on day two and then take another safe. Well, you could take a safety on day two and then take another safety on day three. You know, I've done it in mocks where they get like a Trayvon Morig or an Andre Cisco on day two, and then come back and take like Reed Blankenship or something on day three. Um, or, that or could Fontenot, be. Or Fontenot can work a little magic and get Marcus Williams over to the, well, to Atlanta. how the hell are we uh-huh. paying that? Okay. How the hell are we paying Marcus hey, Williams? Hey, hey, man, <laughs> with worth cap situation. Well, if they get that cap guy from the saints, anything's possible, I guess. So, yeah, but then we'll be a hundred million in the hole in a few years if we keep doing stuff like that. Yeah, we gotta be we gotta be careful with that voodoo. You sacrifice that for a Super Bowl ring? We're not. Did well, the Saints get a Super Bowl ring? <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah, aren't the Saints, did. right? Yeah, yeah. They got closer than the Falcons did. This yeah. is beyond. Well, I mean, uh, technically, technically, no. The, the Falcons have been to a Super Bowl, but uh, more recently than the Saints have. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, hey, but yeah, yeah. Just being honest. I mean, we're being honest. Like the, the Falcons got, you know, got there in 2016 and lost, but the Saints didn't even get there since, you know, it's been a long time. So all of this hundred million in cash space was, was for naught. So, 
Uh, yeah, I haven't been there since Bounty Gate. Look, that we look, and we can go into the dynamics as far as why <laughs> that didn't work. But I think we all know why that really didn't work. I mean, because you have Uncle Rico at quarterback. Like, of course, it's not. <laughs> How much you want back and throw the ball over the mounds? Exactly. Like, come on, man. <laughs> That's yeah. the real reason why it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They they were kind of in a bind there. A bind that the Falcons don't want to find themselves in, which is why they're probably going to take a quarterback. A quarterback, Probably, probably. So that's, a, that's next week. Yeah, that's now you guys are speaking show. my language. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, get that bum out of here. No, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I see, folks, I see folks asking about KZ. He's a free agent. And he remember, he had that Achilles injury. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think the team's going to bring him back. He nah. he wasn't playing well uh, even before the injury. Nah. And he was he was doing okay. So uh, not the kind of guy that I think he'd go to bat for in free agency. Nah. Now, if yeah. Dan Quinn and Dimitrov was here, of course he'll get probably a three-year deal yeah, coming of off his injury because, you know, they believe in his ability. But, you know, they're not here anymore. So they're yeah. probably he, – I think he's likely going to be out the door. Yeah, I mean, look, if, he, if he's willing to sign like vet men to come back and be, and be depth and try to earn a spot – Sure. I mean, no yeah. offense, but let's be honest. He's not going. He's probably not going to get a whole lot of suitors out there. If no, he does, no. I mean, he's not going to get any large money deals. Even though I'm pretty sure he believes he will, but the, I, I mean, doubt, it, I don't it, think he believes he'll get large money deals. <laughs> not coming off that injury. Not Every coming off that injury. Thinks that they they okay. come on now. We, I don't we, think his agent. His agent might say that to him, but his agent doesn't believe that. Hey, so, we just yeah. dealt with an edge rusher who spent more time in the training room than the football field, and it felt like he deserved his fifth year option. All right, so every player believes he's he's worth big money. Okay, let's be honest. Yeah, Pretty yeah, sure I'm sure he, they do, but uh, he's not going to get big money. So he's We'll see. You know, I, I wouldn't rule it out him coming back on a cheap deal, but yeah, I mean, it's less likely now that the Falcons aren't retaining like Raheem Morris or anyone from the previous. Well, I guess we don't know exactly who they're retaining, but it seems like most of the defensive staff is on the way out. So, um, you know, he's less likely to pop back up here, but, uh, We'll see what happens there. They definitely need safety help. And there, there are some free agent safeties out there. You know, Marcus Williams being one of the most expensive options, obviously. But um, they they may go in a different direction. They're probably, I mean, they're probably going to have to bargain shop. And maybe they can find some guys that can fill that role at a cheaper price uh, and help out and also add someone in the draft. But um, they're going to be, they're going to be tight against the cap. We know this. Uh, and uh, they're going to have to be really, choosy with where they spend that free agency money because it's is it going to be you know five to six mid-level veterans is it going to be one or two big veterans and the rest you know undrafted free agents and rookies Uh, you know i I don't know but they're they're gonna have to figure that out that's up to those guys they got a long time to look at the roster and we got a long time to help you guys figure out who those targets might be and uh where the team might be looking in the draft. We got all off season to do that. We're going to continue to do that um, here on the Falcoholic live and on the Falcoholic.com where we have all that terrific written content and also have to shout out DW for his fantastic work on our sister show, the Falcoholic podcast. Uh, If you guys are looking for more in-depth Falcons coverage, that is a great show to check out. It's on the same feed as this show. If you subscribe on Stitcher, uh, and Spotify and all those great platforms. You can get access to both of these tremendous programs in audio format. Definitely listen to those episodes as well. And on that note, 
He is David Walker at Falcoholic DW on Twitter. DW, uh, anything else you want to plug? Yeah, we just put up our uh, review of the Thomas Dimitrov uh, 2016 season. Uh, got Charles McDonald back on the show. Nice. Uh, so check that out. And uh, we'll be doing the 2017 season coming up. Of course, uh, draft content. I'm going to have to kidnap Eric and get him back on the podcast here very soon uh, to talk about some of the prospects on the defensive side of the ball, of course. Uh, so, yeah, uh, keep tuning in. We're going to be diving in. Uh, I will be talking with Charles again. We're going to talk about the uh, the Titans offense and what we saw. He, he also watched a bunch of games this weekend. Uh, so we're going to break that down uh, even more on the podcast. Yeah, definitely check that out, guys. All that good, tremendous content. Uh, and I know everyone's hounding for it now, so you're going to need to go check that out for sure. Also with us tonight, we have Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, I just finished my series of uh, offensive line review and our positional reviews with the centers and the guards the other day, so check that out. Yeah. Check that out as well, guys. Thank you, Adnan, for making time. I know you were coming in from class. So we appreciate you tuning in uh, and, and helping us out. Um, also with us tonight, Eric Robinson. He is on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything that you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, so a uh, column was just released um, yesterday, I believe, on um, Terry Fontenot and, you know, him as, you know, the new general manager and what he brings to the table for the Falcons going forward. Also, be on the lookout next week. I will be on location at the Senior Bowl um, watching and observing the practices. So be on the lookout. There will definitely be some some columns coming your way uh, sometime next week, just highlighting news and notes that I see. Um, and maybe, you know, if, we, if I see, I'm pretty sure I'll probably see some of the Falcons contingent there. We'll see who they're observing and who they're paying attention to and, and things of that nature. So definitely keep uh, uh, keep yourself um, you know, aware of, of what's going on next week with the senior bowl. Yeah, definitely check that out, guys. Shout out to Eric for taking that on this year. I know next year we're talking about it. I think it would be a lot of fun for us to do the show from there to, to really get that stuff. So we're, we're, that's in the works for next season. Uh to potentially do that. And hopefully if the combine returns to normal, maybe we can hit that as well. Um, yeah. Wanted, wanted to do that this year, you know, but you know, they, they pretty much scrapped that. So I think yeah, we're just, yeah. we're just going to be stuck with doing the pro days, which is not, you know, I'm it's not the that. worst. Yeah. Yeah. So um, definitely, definitely check out his coverage of the senior bowl next week. Going to be invaluable because it's going to be the only opportunity we have to actually see these guys work out in person. Uh, Cause as we said, there will be no combine. So important stuff. Thank you, Eric, for taking that on. We appreciate that coverage and for your help with the show every week. Uh, also with us, finally, Evan Birchfield. He is on Twitter at the very easy to remember Evan Birchfield. Evan, anything that you're working on, you'd like to plug. Um, nothing specific. Uh, I did have, I spoke with Andy Levitri who played for the Falcons a couple years ago. Um, he, before that he played for the Titans under Arthur Smith, who was an offensive line coach and then became tight end assistant coach or whatever. Um, but basically got his thoughts on it because he's familiar with obviously Arthur Smith and the Falcons organization. So, uh, pretty interesting. That's on the falcolic.com right now. So. Yes, That's definitely it. check that out, guys, to get an inside look at Arthur Smith and uh, to get that that insider perspective from former Falcon Andy Levitre. Uh, 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to reading that. I haven't had a chance myself to take a look at that. So, um, guys, I am Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. I know you guys are are hungry for more content on the YouTube channel, so more will be coming. I'm going to now kick off a free agency series. So uh, starting Friday, we're going to do an episode breaking down the different types of free agents and the basics. And then after that, we're going to start diving into potential re-signings for the Falcons. And then we're going to go position by position and look at potential free uh, free agents the Falcons might be interested in bringing in. Uh, so that'll be an ongoing series up until free agency kicks off in March. Uh, we're also going to have, obviously, stuff on Arthur Smith and his offense coming down as well. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to have, uh, so Thursday I'm going to have a piece on what we talked about tonight, which is that we don't need Derrick Henry to run Arthur Smith's offense. So check that out as well on the site. And uh, yeah, also just like and subscribe. We really appreciate that. Uh, that helps the channel grow. It helps folks find us on the YouTubes, like this wonderful Jags fan who apparently just randomly got recommended the show and has been, I guess, annoying everyone in the chat. Uh, so, you know, thanks. Thanks for the clicks. We appreciate you tuning in, brother. Uh, so, uh, otherwise, guys, like I said, check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash live. We have a variety of tiers there if you're interested in supporting the show on a monthly basis. Uh, like I said, that patron Q&A is going to be probably later later next week so if you're interested in taking part in that uh get get subscribed soon so I don't forget to include you in that <laughs> because I will I'm gonna be busy next week so that's just this is your heads up um and again guys uh do follow the show on twitter at alcoholic live uh we did get to a thousand followers thank you all so much for your your support uh, on, from from last week on that um we'll be back I believe it is Sunday for the NFC Championship for another playoff watch party. Those have been a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's Sunday right around 3 o'clock. We'll be back. Um, So if you're interested in hanging out with us during that game, we'll be watching the Packers and the Buccaneers live here on the Falcoholic Live. Uh, Otherwise, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you for enjoying the offseason with us and the ride of the coaching carousel and all of this. It's finally come to an end. We have our new GM and we have our new head coach. I'm psyched about it. It seems like everybody else, all of our wonderful co-hosts and guests this evening are psyched about it. So uh, we hope you guys are psyched about it too. And hopefully we can have something more positive to talk about this season as opposed to uh, last season. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.